Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed and I'm joined as always by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, dude? How you doing? Well, I am soldiering through a vicious bout of allergies just for you, the Jet Press listeners. And you know what? My mood, despite that, is still pretty fantastic because I just found out that Aaron Rodgers is officially the New York Jets quarterback. He's officially wearing number eight. It's too hard to be down when all that's going on. So, before we really dive in on our big draft extravaganza, our big mock draft where we're going to go all up this thing's butt with a fine-tooth comb, let's get the housekeeping out of the way first. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be that you get your podcast, we will be there. We are also on YouTube at The Jet Press. You can find all of our great little YouTube shorts there. Our producer, Joanne Shardash, does an amazing job with all of those shorts. You can also find Justin's whole catalog of interviews with some late-round prospects of interest, guys like Kobe Turner, Joey Fisher, who just went up, Brandon Kipper from Oregon State, Jarek Bernard Converse, tons of great stuff over there. Justin, first, before we get into draft stuff, let's go and address the elephant in the room. The big fish has finally landed. Aaron Rodgers is a New York Jet, and also Connor McGovern, the smaller little catch. He's also coming back. So let's just touch on this really quickly. I'm thrilled with the press conference. I know it's kind of cliche to say, oh, he won the press conference because we've seen guys win or lose the press conference. Nick Sirianni lost the press conference. Didn't matter. Adam Gase lost it. It did matter. Not really a correlation between that and success, but it definitely did restore some of the vibes around the Jets. Aaron Rodgers looks refreshed. He looks excited to be here. I'm thrilled with how that looked. I just can't wait to watch Aaron Rodgers. It sounds simplistic. I know it's just normal giddy Jets fan stuff, but how could you not be giddy? It's Aaron Rodgers. It's still surreal. Like it, it, it's, it is now just sinking into me that Aaron Rodgers is the Jets quarterback. I know we had a whole show about it on Monday when it happened, uh, and we've t- been talking about this for months and months now. But when he came out there and and sat at that desk and you know talked about it, I talked at the podium and sat alongside Joe Douglas and Robert Sala wearing his Jet stuff. I just that's what kind of when it sunk in. I'm like, man, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, a, a surefire future Hall of Famer, is a New York Jet. He's going to be the Jets quarterback in 2023, and as his, you know, per his words, for the foreseeable future. Now he didn't necessarily commit to playing beyond one year, but he sure seemed like this is my biggest takeaway. He seemed like somebody who was motivated and refreshed to be a member of the New York Jets. I think that last year in Green Bay, he was kind of going through the motions a little bit. And that's probably why maybe, you know, he was considering retirement this offseason because 
I don't think he was having a lot of fun doing it. I think he's now facing a new challenge. I think he, I mean, I don't, I don't know the guy, right? I'm not, I'm just, this is the vibe I get from him. I think he's facing a new challenge. I think he's motivated. I think he's excited to be a member of the Jets. I mean, the guy was giddy up there. He was smiling ear to ear. He was speaking very highly of Robert Sala, speaking very highly of Joe Douglas and the entire Jets organization. He seems like somebody who wants to be here. Who I mean, he's getting to work tomorrow. He's already practicing tomorrow. He had a meeting with the Jets, uh, you know, a team meeting with the Jets today. He wants to work. He's going to be part of the offseason program. He looks motivated. I'm excited for Aaron Rodgers. I'm excited about the whole thing. I'm also excited for the Jets' new look offensive line because they brought back one of their top interior offensive linemen in a move that I thought was stunning. Connor McGregor, Connor McGregor, Connor McGovern <laughs> resigns, resigns with the New York Jets on a deal that was shockingly cheap. Now, if Conor McGregor signed for this deal to be a lineman, I believe it. But Conor McGovern, a guy who was a pretty reliable starter for a couple different years, signing a deal that's not even $2 million in base salary, which is cheaper than Wes Schweitzer, who is very clearly a backup, who is only a little bit more expensive than Tristan Cologne, who's got, what, three career starts, four career starts, and he don't even know if he's going to end up on the roster. He's barely making more than him. This is really puzzling. Now, I'm glad that McGovern's back. I think that he got a lot of unfair crap. And I think a lot of just general offensive line frustrations were put unfairly on him. I thought he had a very tough job, especially because he's calling out a lot of the signals for either old man Joe Flacco, inexperienced Mike White, or disaster Zach Wilson. That puts added pressure on a center. He had a lot on his plate. I find it weird he wasn't rewarded with a bigger contract, but I'm not going to really get too angry about him coming back for a deal this cheap yeah me neither i the center market has been really weird this offseason it's been very slow uh and i was expecting i've been talking about this on a show i was expecting the centers you know whether it's mcgovern ben jones to get signed probably after the draft instead Connor mcgovern signs on monday definitely the biggest news of monday for sure nothing else happened that was anything remotely close to being as big news as that yeah no no way uh, <laughs> and i expected it to be a smaller cheaper deal uh, given how late he signed a free agency I didn't expect it to be less money than the Jets backup center. That that was shocking to me. Uh, he's making $1.9 million this year. That's the 25th highest paid center in the NFL, which is sh- like stunningly low. There are backups, numerous backups, making more than Conor McGovern. Like you mentioned, he's making three hundred k more than Tristan Cologne, who has four career starts, who has spent the vast majority of his NFL career on the Baltimore Ravens practice squad. He's a bottom-of-the-roster fringe guy, and he's making – basically the same thing Connor McGovern is. Ashton Davis, I tweeted this out earlier. I was genuinely curious. I did the math. Ashton Davis is making 58% more than Connor McGovern this year. Ashton Davis is a third round pick on his rookie contract, and he is making a good amount more than Connor McGovern. Shocking. I don't know why he's making as little as he is. I'm happy he's back. Uh, I, I agree with you that I think he's gotten a little too much crap. I think he is at worst an average starting center. You can make the argument the last two years he's been an above average starting center. Um, so it's certainly puzzling that he's making as little as he is. I think the big takeaway is this doesn't prevent the Jets from signing Ben Jones. It doesn't prevent the Jets from potentially drafting someone. Um, not to say that it's the most likely, but they definitely have the room for it now. Like uh, they're just not paying McGovern anything. They're paying him less than his supposed backup, Wes Schweitzer. So it's a weird scenario for sure. Um, but I'm very happy that, that Connor McGovern is back. And with Connor McGovern being back, we can move fully on to draft talk. The draft, the first round is tomorrow at 8 o'clock Eastern, which, by the way, if you're looking for a viewing option, check out Fansided's live NFL draft show. I myself will be a part of that, along with Ian McMillan, who's fantastic. 
We'll be broadcasting on all the football channels, the fan side of main channel, a bunch of different places. Go and check us out right there. We're going to have a fantastic time for a bunch of hours. It's going to be really nuts. So if you want to tap in there, I would love that. You'd be my eternal, eternal friend. I shake a vert. They give you a virtual handshake right now. So good, when you're watching point. the first round, it's interesting to see who the Jets are going to pick or discuss who the Jets are going to pick at number 15 now following the Aaron Rodgers deal. And for as much as both me and Justin have been a little bit skeptical about the idea of the Jets taking an offensive tackle, because while it's definitely a need, it's one of those areas where he may not be a day one impact player. And if the Jets want maybe a point of difference among some of the other contenders, they can use their higher pick to get a day one contender. At the same time, the way things are trending it just looks like the pick at number 15 right now is going to be an offensive tackle. So I believe that both me and Justin, who have made separate mock drafts, I think that this sort of reflects that trend, both of our drafts. So if the way that, if the board shakes out like I think it will, based on both my personal rankings and a combination of stuff that I think will happen, like I think Will Levis is in the 20s, but Will Levis is going top five. Let's just forget about that. If all of that shakes out the way I think it will, and the Jets are on the clock at number 15, and they have the chance to draft the best offensive tackle available, in my mind, they are going to take Darnell Wright from Tennessee. I think that Joe Douglas would love a guy like Darnell Wright. For a team, especially building a culture and an ethos around physicality, we've seen that on defense already. It's fast, it's flying, it's hitting people. It sounds cliche to say that about a football team, but some teams don't play like that. The Jets have made it a point that they want to do that. Darnell Wright, boy, can he just turn people into mincemeat when he gets his hands on him. Big, strong, powerful guy. I think he's listed at 6'5", 333. Surprisingly good movement skills. And when he locks on, he can just completely wash people out of games. I like his ability as a run blocker. I think his pass protection can be a little up and down, but not something where I think he'd probably fall out of the first round for it. With Dwayne Brown... Where he's at in his career, where he's an injury risk and he's old. We don't know if we, I think I'm fair to assume 2023 is going to be his last season. And Makai Becton, I mean, if he sneezes too hard, he's going to be out another eight weeks. I like Makai Becton as a guy, but I mean, that's mean. That's mean. Look, I like Makai Becton as a guy, but I mean, he knows he gets hurt a lot. That (laughs) when he's on the field, he's great. He's just not. We hope he will be, but you have to plan for the possibility where he isn't. I think Wright would be a fantastic addition. I just think the traits that he has and where he excels, it just makes too much sense for the Jets. Now, there are some problems with Darnell Wright, which is why I think he's going to be available at 15. You're pretty much limiting him to right tackle. He hasn't really shown an ability to move over. Even though he's a five-star recruit and has good athleticism, I don't really see him switching over to left tackle. He also had a weird habit of playing down to his competition, I think is the best way to put it. There were some games like he was playing Will Anderson and no tackle, I think, performed better against Will Anderson, who's a consensus top five pick than Darnell Wright. Also, B.J. Ojolari, who's a consensus second round target. I thought he completely dominated B.J. Ojolari. Then he goes to play some lower level of competition and then he's letting guys go by and you're like, well, what's going on here with Mr. Top 20 pick? So that's that's maddening. Like, it's really frustrating because if he didn't do that, I think he'd be a firm OT2 behind Paris Johnson. He didn't, so he's kind of in that Skaronsky-Broderick Jones tier. 
I think now in my mock draft, Skaronsky is off the board. He goes to New England at 14, so he won't be available for the Jets. I think even if Skaronsky were available, I think I might like Darnell Wright a little bit better. That is that is interesting. Well, I do really like Darnell Wright. I think he's a, a plug-and-play starting right tackle in the NFL. And he's be a good player. Um, I, it's, it's interesting you say that because for my mock draft, I used uh, – so for anybody listening, I use Pro Football Network's mock simulator. So if anybody has any issue with a player being available at a certain spot – Take it up with them. Do not take it up with me because I did not make the the draft board. I did not determine who was available. I took whoever was there. And in my mock, Peter Skaronsky was still available, as was Darnell Wright, uh, as was Broderick Jones, oddly enough. I don't foresee this happening, but the only tackle that was taken before pick 15 was Paris Johnson, who is my top pick in this draft for the Jets. Unfortunately, he was not on the board still. So I went with my, my next favorite option, which is Peter Skaronsky. I took him over Darnell Wright. Uh, Peter Skronsky was a three-year starter at Northwestern. He took over for Rayshon Slater at left tackle. Uh, he was a freshman All-American, first-team All-Big Ten, ended up being a unanimous All-American selection in 2022, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year. I think in ter- if you're looking for the most technically sound NFL-ready offensive line prospect in this class, it's Peter Skronsky. Obviously, there are questions about whether he can play tackle in the NFL. We've seen it with guys like Tristan Wirfs in the past where you know there was concerns about their lack of length. They stuck at tackle, and they played really well. Then we could look at a guy like Zach Martin, who there were concerns about his lack of length. They moved him inside. He became an all-pro guard, right? So you never really know how it's going to work. I know some teams see Skaronsky as a guard. The Jets, according to at least the Athletics' Dane Brugler, they see him as a tackle. And I think the fact that they do see him as a tackle makes me think that he's pretty high on their board and they they consider him. They would consider him if he's a, available at pick 15. Uh, I just I think he can immediately slot in at maybe left tackle, maybe right tackle, wherever you want to play him. I think he he has that potential. I even think he could play center if you wanted him to. Uh, like I, I think he has that versatility. I know he only played left tackle in college, but teams have been working him out at guard. I'm sure some teams have, have you know given him some reps at center. I think he could do it. Uh, now I'm not saying you're going to draft the center at pick 15, but I think if you if you wanted to, you can play him there. And that increased versatility is super important for this Jets offensive line going into into 2023 because. Like you said, you know, there, there are genuine injury concerns with guys like Dwayne Brown, Mekhi Becton. You don't know what you're getting there. Uh, Lake and Tomlinson, you can technically get out of that contract as soon as next offseason. So they might need a new left guard in the future. You really don't know fully what the plan is at center. Like, it's Connor McGovern is back. But like we mentioned, he's on a super cheap deal. And then you have a guy like Elijah Tucker, who's also versatile enough to play tackle or guard. So I love having that versatility from Skronsky. He's my second favorite target for the Jets behind Paris Johnson. And with Paris Johnson gone, I, I had you know no reason to, to, to pass on Peter Skronsky. So I was very happy that he was still there at 15 and, and he was my pick. Now, let me ask you this, just to because I like Skaronsky probably not as much as everybody else. Three words or less, what do you think of Lucas Van Ness as a prospect? Three words or less? Just, just a really quick shotgun answer. I think he's a little overhyped. I wouldn't, okay, take, him because- as, I would, you know, I wouldn't take him as high as... I've seen people taking him as high as like nine or 10, and that's crazy to me. Yeah. I don't think he's that good of a prospect. Right, because part of the reason that Lucas Van Ness is where he is is because because he played Peter Skaronsky and freaking took his lunch yep. money. Yep, Iowa versus yep. Northwestern. Yep, Big Ten. Yep. So I, it's one of those things where if you like Lucas Van Ness, you can't really like Skaronsky too much. And the other way around, if you like yeah. Skaronsky, you can't really like Lucas Van Ness. Now, I would not be pulling my hair out over Skaronsky. I think just that he's a more puzzling fit just because you don't know where he's going to play. And I don't want to go through a ton of trial and error to figure out where his best position is. 
So I think personally, Wright might be a little bit of a better immediate fix, but Skaronsky is incredibly talented. Yeah. So moving on to the second round with pick number 42, 43, just the one, because 42 is now in Green Bay. I think this is prime defensive line time. We've been talking about it. I know they made some additions, Quentin Jefferson and all that. I still think they need one more big impact player. And it's a guy that at number 43 overall, I've hinted at the Jets potentially taking for quite some time now. I think they go get Adedemio Adebawari from Northwestern, who was the guy who ran a 4'5'40 at 282 pounds. Did you hear that, Jets Press listeners? 282 pounds, 4'5'40. That's obscene if you're not into the combine metrics that is not even being hyperbolic that's almost unprecedented for a defensive tackle now he's a guy who's incredibly raw the production really wasn't there at northwestern i mean it was okay but not top 50 pick level for at northwestern there's still a lot of technical things that need to get worked out but when you get a guy that could move inside to like a three tech go play as a regular five tech or even if he bulks up a little bit, get some one tech snaps, I think is a distinct possibility. That versatility and athleticism, that's something that Robert Sala loves in his defense. That's part of why John Franklin Myers got his big deal. They moved Quinn and Williams around a little bit. That's just what Robert Sala loves. So Otto Bawore, for all his faults, kind of fits into that Robert Sala system. He does. I, I definitely could see Sala watching Otto Bawore's tape and, and absolutely falling in love. Uh, my one, like, negative take about it i guess i'll push back in that i don't think he's a great fit for what the jets are looking for or at least what i'm looking for at it as a defensive ta- or for a defensive tackle uh, i don't think he can play that one tech right now like you said maybe if he bulks up he can but he's really going to be a three tech and honestly you could play him on the edge like he, he played in the in the edge a little bit in college too um so you could do that but i would rather go after somebody who's more of a traditional run stuffer somebody who can who can defend the run more than Adebori can because Adebori is a freak athlete like one of the freakiest athletes in, the, in this entire class uh but like you mentioned he's raw and I think I'd rather go in a different direction at defensive tackle and I did because I also went defensive tackle in the second round and I've talked about this guy in the past he is one of my draft crushes this year and it's Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin I love Keanu Benton and I think he's probably my favorite second round target for the Jets at pick 43, and that's still the case. 6'3", 309 pounds. He is one of the best run-defending defensive tackles in this class, but it's not just that because you can get a good run defender on day three. Like You can get a a, a run-stuffing defensive tackle on day three. He's a really, really good athlete as well, Uh, and I think that athleticism gives him upside as a a genuine pass rusher. Uh, I think he needs to improve his consistency a little bit. I don't think he's there right now, but I think immediately he can step in as your starting one tech alongside Quentin Williams. You bring Quentin Jefferson off the bench as your rotational three tech. You got Quentin Williams and and Keanu Benton on early downs. That's a really good duo inside, and I I think Keanu Benton can fill that role immediately. I I think he's ready to play day one, Uh, whereas with Adebaware, I'm not sure. I, I I think he can get there, and obviously he has the the ridiculous upside and, and athleticism. Uh, but I just I, I really 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 like Benton's game. I think he's uh, just a, a phenomenal prospect. Who I genuinely think he he has all pro upside. Like I think if he reaches his ceiling and he forty three, wow. Yeah. I, oh, I I think because I think he has the like he already has the run stuffing traits. Like he already can do that well, and he has the athleticism. I don't know what his RAS score was, but it must have been very high. Um, and I, I think if he can tap into that athleticism and he has flashes of being a good pass rusher, if he can tap into that and kind of fully harness his ability, I, I think he'd be a really good player. But immediately day one, I think he's your starting one tech. 
And that's what the Jets need. So that's Keanu Benton's my pick. He's one of my draft crushes. Keanu Benton's RES was 8.90, which is it's very, not, very good. So it's, I mean, that's still good. Like not 8.9 is not bad. That's not like bad. That's like average. That's average, which I'm surprised. 8.9 out of on a thing of one to ten is well above average. Well, but you gotta remember that a lot of the RAS scores are super high because like they're they're accounting for like every single prospect. So I think I genuinely I think the average RAS score is like somewhere in the eights, like for like an NFL player. Uh, because they're also accounting for like all the guys who aren't in the NFL. Oh, like uh, the D3 guys trying out and yep, yep. So that's yeah, why that makes sense. it's still really good. That's still good. Like his his broad jump was really good. Uh, his three cone was really good. Those are both in the top percentiles. Yeah. So that's good. I just looked it up as well. But yeah, I think he's an explosive athlete, and that can can hopefully harness. He can harness that pass rush potential. Benton's good. I kind of have him as kind of like a late two, early three guy. Just even though he's not an edge, it reminds me of some of the problems I had when I was watching Josh Sweat in college. I really like Josh mm-hmm. Sweat, but it seemed like there were times where he started like a half second after everybody. Like the snap would go, everybody would be going, and then Josh Sweat would still be in a stance. And then he gets off. I don't love his explosion. I think there were a lot of times where he starts going and then guys get their hands on him pretty quickly. When when you're that strong, you can just overpower people at the collegiate level. And I thought you're not going to be able to do that. But again, that's something you could probably coach out of him. And imagine a defensive line guy like Robert Sala is going to have no trouble coaching mm-hmm. that out of him. So on this, to this, pick- is really quick. this is interesting. The first two picks, we both went offensive line, defensive line. I'm interested to see if that changes here in the fourth round with our with our third pick. Well, let's see. Did you go safety? I did not. So ah, so it changes. Mm-hmm. I am going safety. It's another guy I've talked about before and a guy who just – I compared him to like a Rottweiler on the field. He just plays a million miles an hour in a good way, hitting people, vocal leader, and a turnover generator. Jair Brown, shout out Trenton Central. Jair Brown, a terrific ball skills, I just got to say. Now, for which typically with a lot of defensive backs, you normally don't get both. It's either like hang around in the box and fly around and hit people or rangy zone guy that really doesn't tackle well. Jair can do both. Well, why is he going in the fourth round? Well, there were some consistency issues, and part of the problem is when you play like he does, if you get a really savvy quarterback that's good manipulating post-snap with their eyes, you could send him flying all over the place and open up windows. But it's, again, like the Benton thing earlier, where that's a flaw where as debilitating as it could be if you go to the NFL, that's why you draft raw rookies is to coach crap like that out of them. And I think they could coach that out of him. Do I think he'll start day one? I don't think so, because I think just who they have right now is – Kind of who they're not stuck with, but they're just going to go with the veterans. Do I think by the end of the year he could be starting if everything goes well? Absolutely. Like, I think he's a much better safety schematically for what the Jets want to do than like an Ashton Davis, even when they picked Ashton Davis. So if he could, I know that's a low bar to clear right now, considering what Ashton Davis has provided in his professional career. But I think Jair has starting safety potential, which you don't always get at pick number 112 overall. That's true. I, I love the idea of drafting a developmental safety behind the guys they have. I'd love to draft the starter in this class. I'd love to draft a genuine free safety, but I, I just I don't think there is one. Like I real I, I like Brian Branch. I don't think he's the exact archetype of a safety I want, and I also wouldn't want to take him in the first round over some other guys. Uh, I do like Jair Brown as a as a fine mid round option. He's a physical dude, uh, interchangeable too. He can kind of play wherever you want him in that defensive backfield. So I, I'd like that pick in the fourth round. I went with a little bit of a different direction here, although I did choose sort of a safety. I chose a former 
uh, safety. I believe he was recruited as a safety. I think he played a little safety in college. As we know, Robert Sala and the Jets, they love their their safeties turned linebackers. Jamie and Sherwood, Hamza Nasruddin, even Marcel Harris. They love Sala loves converting safeties into linebackers, kind of oversized safeties into linebackers. One guy in this class who kind of fits that prototype is DeMarvian Overshone of uh, of Texas. First of all, fantastic name. I love that name. All uh, name team and a guy that I really liked. I think I had him as like a fringe top 100 guy. So Yeah, I, I think he's a good player. I was very happy that he was still on the board in, in my mock simulator at pick 112. Uh, started a few years kind of at that Sam linebacker position at Texas. That's really when he found his groove and when he started to find playing time after switching from safety. Uh, he was an honorable mention all Big 12 in 2020, 2021. Broke out really as a first team all Big 12 selection in 2022. Uh, 6'2, 6'2, 6'3, 230. Good size, very good size, and an excellent, excellent athlete, which is what they're looking for. I don't know if he's somebody that I want to step into a you know role that's playing 50, 60% of snaps early, but I know the Jets are interested in, in re-signing Quan Alexander. If they don't go that route, I could totally see DeMarby and Overshone being that guy who steps in as your starting Sam linebacker in that base 4-3. Because they have CJ Mosley, they have Quincy Williams, they kind of need that third linebacker. Right now it's Jamie and Sherwood or Hamza Najuli and whoever they're going to go with. They could bring back Quan that's Alexander. That's super inspiring. For me, no, not at all. And I like Sherwood. I, I genuinely like they've been trying to kind of build Sherwood as this like uh, the eventual Mike replacement for CJ Mosley. And when Mosley's missed a couple of snaps here and there, it's been Sherwood that's come in. I'd rather go in a different direction with the Sam linebacker position. I think DeMarby and Overshone can absolutely fit that role. Uh, he fits the exact prototype and archetype that Robert Saul looks for in his linebackers. And I think he's also gotten better each year. He's become more comfortable as a linebacker, which that's something that I, I, you know, I always look for with prospects is did they continue to get better, especially ones that are learning new positions, because that generally carries over into the NFL. And I, I like what I saw from Barbie and Overshone, especially this last year. I'd be very happy with him in the fourth round. The issue with Overshone, though, and again, it just is natural with a lot of safeties that have made the tra- transition over to linebacker, which is an increasingly popular trend mm-hmm. just because of how guys are used. Another guy who could do that, by the way, Marte Mapu, Sacramento State. Mm-hmm. My diamond in the rough guy, I love Marty Mapu. The fact he didn't get invited to the combine you, you baffles me. But again, going with Overshone, I mean, he was listed at what, 229? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't play linebacker in the NFL 229 at the level that the Jets kind of expect, especially because at least with Hamsa, you got, and Sherwood, you got some really good movement skills. I think Overshone can have good range. I don't think it's quite that level. So I think he'll need to add maybe like 10-ish pounds and become more of a traditional linebacker. But he did that in college. Mm -hmm. So he could build more muscle onto that frame. I think that he should have a pretty seamless transition over to the pros. So I would not be upset with Overshown at 112. Moving on to pick number 143, the first of the two fifth rounders that the Jets have that will close out their draft. Because the sixth round pick is in Green Bay right now. I have them, again, going offensive line, and this time I have them going for a Skoronsky versatility-like guy because I think this is probably the best chance to draft a developmental guy. He's late there. You can figure out if he's a guard or a swing tackle. You can just you have the ability to tool around with him. With a first-round pick, I don't want too much play him here, play him here, let's see what he does well. That seems like a lot of hullabaloo for a guy that I want to pick in the first round, a lot of unnecessary extra steps. I want a guy that's a more surefire thing. So anyway, as I pick this versatile guy who has tackle guard potential, I'm going to go with Nick Saldaveri at Old Dominion. I know Zach Kuntz, the tight end, has kind of been the preferred Old Dominion prospect in this draft. He's 
put up some freakish combine numbers. Saldaveri is as good a prospect as him, and he doesn't have the injury concerns. The Senior Bowl did a ton of good things for Saldaveri because as good as the tape was, it's Old Dominion. There were some FCS teams in there. There were some group of five teams that were full of a bunch of future accountants and marketing executives, you know, not professional players. So you always got to qualify with that. Then he goes to the Senior Bowl, friggin' lights it up. Proves that he can hold his own against NFL athletes. Really, really good mobility. I like his processing skills. Like he he was one of the like the main leaders on that line, calling out slants and stunts and all that. Very advanced intellectually, which I think is going to be big for the Jets. The biggest thing that I like too is when he gets going in the run game, he can really make a runway for you. He can really take off. Now, I'm not expecting him to go win a 40-yard dash, but in a scheme like Nathaniel Hackett's, you just need guards like that. You need tackles like that, and he can do it. I, I do want to see him get a little meaner, though, a little nastier, though. That were some of his problems. When he ever faced like a big bull rush guy, he just didn't have the sand in his pants needed to push him back every single time. His hand usage wasn't particularly great, kind of weak every now and again. But when you're around a bunch of veterans and a bunch of grizzled veterans, they'll toughen you up really quick. So I think that's why Saul DeVary with the Jets specifically, has the potential to really take off. I think we've talked about Saldaveri on the show before, and I, I think I've also made this comparison, but I, I see a lot of Patrick McCary vibes with Saldaveri. He has that versatility, and he showed that throughout the Senior Bowl week and throughout this entire pre-draft process, that he can play legit all five spots. Like I know he was primarily a tackle in college, but he can play everywhere on that offensive line, and I think because of that, he's going to have a long career. So you can always use a guy like Nick Saldaveri, like a Patrick McCary on your roster, uh, and yeah, I'd, I'd be very happy if the Jets took him, especially, you know, they, they can use some more offensive line depth. You can always use more offensive line depth uh, for my pick at, at 143. I also stuck with the offensive side of the ball, but I didn't go tackle. I went wide receiver. Uh, and one of the guys who I, I've kind of I the more I've watched him, the more I've really liked him as a potential. I, I was very happy he was still on the board at this point, but a very potential day two pick even. Uh, it's Jonathan Mingo from from Ole Miss. The Jets Jonathan already, Mingo is available at this point, and the Jets do not take him. Public <laughs> flogging levels. I was very happy he was still there. I was very, very happy he was still on the board at 143. Again, don't blame me. Blame Pro Football Network's Mock Simulator, which hey, I, I still myself still find it pretty good. I think they added players to the trades now, so it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I get – I don't know. I, I put this tweet out. I don't know if you saw it. Do you know who I, I get reminded of when I watch Jonathan Mingo's tape? See, when I watch Jonathan Mingo's tape, I get, like, dollar store A.J. Brown vibes. Okay. Yeah, I can see it. I, I think, like, ceiling-wise, A.J. Brown, I mean, <laughs> absolutes. This is more comparing their play styles, and this is going to sound like an absurd comparison, but, like, Andre Johnson. Like, again, that's going to sound like well, a I was. I thought I was taking a reach with A.J. Yeah, Brown. Is, like, I'm talking more play style. I'm not saying that, that, oh, yeah, that yeah, totally. it's going to be Andre Johnson, but I think you see that similar, like, alpha mentality. The ver the, the, the vibes I get is Quincy Newton. That's who I get when I watch Jonathan Mingo. I think he has that similar like physical presence after the catch. They have similar body types too. Mingo's listed at 6'1, 220. 6'1 and 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 what was 6'1.6? What is it? 6'1 and 6 tenths. What is it? How do you even how do you say that? I'm blanking on how you say that. So but wait, wait, what's it listed as? 6'1 and 6. Is that 6'1 and 6? 6106? Six yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 6 tenths. Yeah. Okay. That's this is weird. Why can't I, they I, just say it like that? Why are they going to do it numerically that is, like that? That's an annoying phrasing. But anyway, yeah, he's he's a pretty good-sized dude. He's physical as well. And I think where he really shines, on top of him just having, like, 
excellent hands. He's had a few concentration drops on, on his tape, but for the most part, he has really, really, really good hands. There's like his highlight reel is riddled with just ridiculous catches, which just, just absurd catches where you're like, how did that guy catch that? Uh, but where he really thrives is after the catch too. Like he can, he can make guys miss and he can carry dudes. Like he's a physical guy. Uh, you can even play him as like an H back if you want to. Like that's, that's, he, that's how physical he is. He kind of has that like alpha mentality. Um, he's not like the best athlete in the world. And I don't think his separation skills are elite. I think he can use some, some work as a route runner. He's not quite there yet, but you put him in this scheme, you make him your wide receiver four or wide receiver five, whatever he would be. And just kind of throw him out there for nine, 10 snaps a game. I'd love that. Like, I, I think he can really develop into a solid big slot. Like, I think that's really where his best role is, is as a big slot. He can be your backup to Nicole Hardman in the slot. I don't know what that means for Corey Davis. I don't know what it means for Denzel Mims. Honestly, they can move on from Corey Davis potentially and, and save a lot of money. Uh, they could double their current cap space uh, by doing that. Uh, so I, I'd be I'd be all in favor if their wide receiver room. Now, again, I would rather have them go up there someone like DeAndre Hopkins. We've talked about that in the past, but I'd be cool with the wide receiver room of Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Nicole Hardman, Jonathan Mingo, Denzel Mims. I'm happy with that. Or if they want to move on from Mims and, and keep Corey Davis, that's cool with me, too. But I, I think Mingo really fits the Jets scheme because he can do a lot after the catch. And I, I really like him. And again, if he's there at 143. I'm, I'm thrilled. Well, you know what? Every year there's always uh, a couple prospects that you're like, how the hell have they slipped that low? I remember Amon Ross St. Brown was getting like late yeah. first round hype, and then he was there at what, 112? Was it, who, was the, who was the receiver NC State? I think he went to Washington. Oh, Kelvin Harmon. Kelvin Harmon. He I remember like Kelvin Harmon. They're like, oh, he's going to go first round. And then he went like yeah. 218. Yeah, he was like a he was like a lock to be a day two guy. And it was it was shocking that he fit. Deion Kane was another one. I think he fell a lot longer, a lot further than people thought. To the Colts, I believe, right? I think yeah, he went on was drafted like, Deion Kane. He might. It was like sixth round or seventh round, or maybe he went on drafted. Yeah. It was it was a lot later than people expected. So Jets legend know. KD Cannon too. Didn't he get picked and then get like cut after one day of training camp? KD Cannon from Baylor, right? Didn't he go to yeah, Baylor? That was yeah. like Bryce Petty fake offense time. It's it's a really good wide receiver class too. So I like some guys are going to fall. Maybe Jonathan Mingo really? is one of them. Well, I, I guess it's really, it's a deep class. Yeah, that's what I. It's yeah. really deep. Like you're not going to get three top 10 picks, but it's a really deep class. I think there's a lot of guys in that like second to fourth round range that I, I think a lot of teams are high on. And now I end my mock draft with a wide receiver. He's not going to be as good as Jonathan Mingo, just because I think Mingo's a cut above a lot of the other ones who are going to potentially be early day three guys. But I am going with a five-star recruit. I'm a guy that never really took off in college though. And you're like, why the hell isn't it clicking? And that's Rakeem Jarrett went to Maryland as a five-star. So he wanted to stay local. I mean, and that Terrapin's offense, man, did him no favors. He only had one year in which he topped 500 yards receiving. And he has some pretty bad drop issues. And the ball skills aren't great. So it's, well, why the hell would the Jets even consider drafting Rakeem Jarrett? All you said so far are negative things, I hear you say, dear listener. Well, here's why you draft Rakeem Jarrett. Very, very quick at the line of scrimmage. Great separator goes in the middle of the field, takes hits, and he's got speed, enough so where I think he could be a legitimate deep threat. And I think it's the same thing with Elijah Higgins and Michael Wilson, who are two Stanford receivers that will assuredly be drafted, where the constraints of the offense, and this not in Wilson and Higgins' case, the quarterback play, but I think of the quarterback play here at Maryland, Talia Tagovailoa to his brother, not, I think, a professional prospect. I don't think he did Jared a lot of favors. He was also competing with Jacob Copeland and Dante Demas, who are also going to be pro prospects. I think Demas gets drafted probably a little bit after Jarrett. 
not an ideal situation to show up for NFL scouts. I think he still put just enough on tape, and he's got that five-star background to where the Jets will roll the dice on him. So you're telling me the Jets are drafting a Maryland receiver in the fifth round, and I also I think also a highly touted Maryland receiver. Sounds oh, a lot no, like did you get Demas. No, I was gonna say it sounds like it's a lot like Stephon Diggs to me. I don't know, man. What? No, I'm not saying that they're comparable. I'm just saying that fifth round pick Maryland. I believe Diggs was also a five star recruit. D- you know? Diggs was also in that Amon Rock class where you're, everybody, when he got picked, was like, I didn't even know he was still available. I thought he went in the second round. It was yes. bizarre when he fell. Steph- yeah, Stephon Diggs. I, I'm not not going to say that Raheem Jarrett is, is Stephon Diggs, but I'm just you know making making the, the you know the Kalijah Cansey Aaron Donald comparison there. Just, just yeah, just a light there. Aaron Donald comparison just, on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> just just throwing it out there. All right, last pick. So we kind of addressed very similar positions. I don't think you drafted a linebacker, but at this point, I have a draft of safety. That changes here with my last pick because I went with Jason Taylor. Uh, Jason Taylor to second. No relation to the Jason Taylor uh, out of Oklahoma State. I this is not a good safety class. Like I'll start it off by saying that this is not a good safety class. I really want to draft the safety for the Jets, or I really wanted wanted to draft the safety in this mock draft, and I want the Jets to draft the safety. Jason Taylor makes sense to me. Also, they've met with him. I believe they had a top thirty visit with him too. So clearly, clearly, they're showing some interest in him. He's a little undersized. He's only 5'11", 204, So the the frame is a little bit of an issue. But he tested really well at the combine. He ran a four five. His his vertical was. At 43 inches, I think it was, or something like that. Like he had a crazy high vertical jump. Uh, very good athlete, and he played a good amount of single high at Oklahoma State too. Which that's kind of what I was looking for with with a safety prospect here. I wanted somebody who can potentially play that like free safety role for the Jets. Somebody who isn't necessarily you know locked into the box role or in a nickel slot or a nickel like box hybrid, which so many of the safeties in this class are. Jason Taylor is Jason Taylor can legitimately play as a single high safety. And I think that's really what the Jets need on their roster. Uh, He also led the team in tackles this year. He led the big 12 in interceptions. He had six interceptions. So the ball skills are there as well, which is something you're looking for when it comes to more, you know, of of a free safety. Uh, I think he has some Ashton Davis tendencies where he's a little over aggressive. Sometimes that happens both when he's, you know, trying to tackle and in coverage, he kind of overruns plays, which, you know, it tends to happen when you're a really athletic safety. Like we see that all the time. Uh, but I, I think he'd be a good pick here in the fifth round specifically. I just was looking for more kind of an archetype here of what I wanted in a safety. Uh, and the fact that the Jets have already met with him makes it seem a little bit more likely to me. So I, I'd be happy with Jason Taylor in the fifth round. The ball skills are good, but there were, I think, two of his interceptions, definitely maybe three, were tip balls and deflections. So it's not quite the elite level. Like the interceptions are a little fake. Not Gerard Holloman level, if you remember Gerard Holloman. I don't think I do. I don't know. He was a safety at Louisville. He had like 14 interceptions one year or something crazy, like 12 interceptions. And then he didn't get drafted because a lot of them were deflections and then he like couldn't tackle. I do. I was, I do know who this is, but I was not thinking of Gerard with a G. That's what would confuse me. I do. I do remember this person. That's what it was. So Taylor would still be fine. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let me ask you this, Justin. Let's go circle back a little bit to the biggest pick, which is going to be pick number 15 overall. 
let's say some football deity just comes thundering down from the skies. Football Zeus comes down from Olympus and he makes a decree saying the Jets will not pick Peter Skaronsky or Darnell Wright at 15. You can't use either of those. Either they're gone or the Jets just don't like them. I don't know who Skaronsky, I don't know whose cornflakes he pissed in, but the Jets just don't like them in this scenario and they're taking somebody else. Who are they going to end up taking? And for me, doing this exercise, because I'm pretty much locked in on one of uh, uh, Darnell Wright or Broderick Jones. Even though Broderick Jones is a little raw, I think there's a lot of arrows pointing to Broderick Jones is going to be the guy for the Jets. If they don't go that way, I've, I've seen some of the rumors. The Jackson Smith and Jigba talk is not crazy to me especially in a wide receiver class that is incredibly weak and really the only player that I think is a no-doubt first-round pick going to be a high-level receiver in the league is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Jordan Addison, okay, but really skinny, and he doesn't have that breakaway speed that you need if you're typically really skinny. Quentin Johnson does a lot of body catching, kind of like a one-year wonder, and I think Georgia really shut him down when he went up against those athletes. And I think his offense is, again, a little Sonny Dykes- Little Fugazi, not Lane Kiffin level, but a little bit. The the Jay Italian Flowers, you, the Italian in you is coming out. Fugazi, a little. Oh my own. Now, say <laughs> uh, Flowers again. He's small like Addison. He's a little faster. I just don't buy the hype. I think he's more like an early second round guy. Jalen Hyatt, speedster, not a great route runner. I think the only guy that you can t- be comfortable with on round one and say we think this guy could be a one thousand yard receiver right out of the box, which is hard to do, but I think he could do it is Smith and Jigba. Great route runner, great hands, nice cat, nice and contested traffic. He might be a little limited to the slot, but you know what? If the Jets take Smith and Jigba, even though they promised Miko Harbin a bigger role, and they roll out Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, and Jackson Smith and Jigba as your starting wide receiver trio for not just this year, but for way down the road, at least the next three, four years, looking at the Lazard contract, good luck trying to stop it if Smith and Jigba booms. So just just for this scenario, we're saying no Paris Johnson, no Peter Skaronsky. That's what we're saying? No right? Peter Skaronsky, no Darnell Wright, no Paris Johnson. No Darnell Wright either. So, oh, okay, okay. Darnell Wright was my guy, so I can't pick Darnell Wright. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, then yeah, I could totally see Jackson Fifth and Jigba there as well. Um, I, I have been very vocal on this show and, and everywhere about saying I think the Jets skill position group needs one more genuine game changer. They have Garrett Wilson, who's a legit wide receiver one already at this point in his career. They have a returning Brees Hall who, if he returns to form, like pre-injury form, I think he's going to be one of the best running backs in football. But they need a second pass catcher who is ge- like a genuinely really good player. They don't okay. They don't need it. They don't necessarily need it. I think the skill position group is fine. But if you really want to put this offense over the top, you add a second really good pass catcher. And I think Jackson Smith and Jigba can be that guy. He's not DeAndre Hopkins, right? He's not going to be that high profile of an addition, but he's a really good player. And I totally agree with you. I think he is the best wide receiver in this class. Silky smooth athlete, silky smooth route runner, really good hands, very explosive out of the slot. I don't know what they're giving those Ohio State receivers, but every one of them is is hitting. Like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. You could even, I mean, we'll see what happens with James Williams. Down Brian Hartline, man. Dude's a genius. Yeah, absolutely. I, we'll see about what happens with Jamison Williams. Obviously, he ended up transferring, but uh, we'll see what happens with him. But he was a great prospect. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is the next guy. And I, I believe it's been Garrett Wilson who has literally said that in that wide receiver room, Smith and Jigba was the best of all of them. I believe Garrett Wilson has said that publicly. Uh, so that tells you the caliber of prospect that Jackson Smith and Jigba is. 
I don't know if the Jets go wide receiver at 15. Part of me really thinks it's, it's just a smoke screen. Like I, I really think they're going to go tackle. Um, but I know I'd be very happy with Jackson Smith and Jigga there. If my top two options are gone, which is Paris Johnson and Peter Skaronsky, I think he's my third favorite option. I think I like him over Darnell Wright. I think I like him over Broderick Jones. Um, so I, I, that's, that's where I'm at. I'd be very happy if they went that route. And uh, yeah, I, I honestly, if those two guys are gone, Jackson Smith and Jigga, he should be the pick. All right. I was surprised you kind of went that way. I thought, I know you like Miko Harbin. I know you like Jackson Smith and Jigba that much. Right. I think he's, I think he's, I think he, like you said, can genuinely be a 900, a thousand yard receiver year one. I, I think he has that potential. And I think in a few years, we can talk about him as one of the best slot receivers in football. I, I think he really has that potential. Uh, and I, I, again, I've been vocal about the Jets needing or very much should have another game changer in that offense. And I think he could be that guy. Now going to day two. Let's look at some guys who might be there at 43. Because 42. I wait, 43. 43. 43. Heavens to Betsy. <laughs> yeah. This is right next to each other. Uh, I know. It's I'm annoying. Confuse that have, even after they make the picks. Oh, dude. It's annoying. They had both. Now, here are some guys that I think, even if Ottawa is gone or they don't like Ottawa, I still think this is defensive line time. You think Keanu Benton, I still think you think it'll be defensive line time at this point. One guy that I think could be potentially very interesting at this point, even though I have I am actually going to Green Bay with the pick they acquired in the Rodgers deal, is Keon White. Mm. And Keon White is a guy who reminds me again, not a dollar store version. I think he might be kind of close to me. Reminds me a lot of Muhammad Wilkerson in that he's a three hundred pound edge guy. Keon White's two eighty five, but I think he'll bulk up when he gets to the NFL. And he plays on the edge full time, and he's pretty darn good at it. I like his ability to get to the quarterback, even though he was getting double teamed all the time because Georgia Tech just didn't have NFL athletes on that defense to really take the pressure off him. Very solid run defender. Now, the production, oh, really only the one year, that's a question mark, but just from a pure tools point of view, which is really why Adebowori would go that high is just tools, I think White would be a very good replacement for him. It's an interesting pick. They have a lot of those guys, those like fringe edge interior guys on the roster already. John Franklin Myers, uh, Michael Clemens, even Jermaine Johnson did it a little bit this last year. I think he moved inside a little bit. Solomon Thomas as well, because he started off as an edge rusher and, you know, they moved him inside. Uh, so it, it makes sense to me. And I definitely think defensive line makes a ton of sense at or on, on the second day in the pick 43. If it's not Keanu Benton, like I, I don't want to pick another defensive lineman. So I'm going to go to a different defensive position. And I'm literally thinking this on the spot right now. I'm going to go with another linebacker uh, and another player who converted to linebacker. Cause I just, I think that that's Robert Sala's type uh, except his conversion is a little more interesting than DeMarvin Overshone because Dayon Henley from Washington state. Ooh. Yeah. Started off as a, as a wide receiver. Uh, at Nevada, switched to like a nickel safety hybrid. So there you, he's got the former safety in him before he moved to linebacker and then eventually ended up transferring to Washington State for his senior year. Much like a lot of other safety converts to linebacker, he's undersized. Like he's like six, six or six foot, six one, two twenty five. Definitely on the smaller side, but really, really good athlete. Excellent sideline to sideline range. And I think the other thing that stand that, that kind of separates him from other safety linebacker converts, he's a really good tackler. Like that's that's something that, you know, if you're looking at a guy who's six foot two twenty-five and he's playing linebacker, you're hoping he 
he can tackle and and Deion Henley absolutely can. Now shedding blocks that that can be an issue for him just because of his size and I think he's still inexperienced at the linebacker position. He's still growing, but you look at upside there. I think he's someone who can absolutely take over that Quincy Williams role in a year or two and he could start maybe as your Sam linebacker. If they did bring him in, I'd be very happy if they went out and still signed Quan Alexander because I don't know if I want Dan Henley playing. I think it was 50% of snaps Alexander played last year. I don't know if he can hold up as your Sam linebacker playing that many snaps. Uh, but I, I think the upside is there. The athleticism is there. And I think he has that tackling floor uh, that makes me really like him. 43 might be a little high for him. So I'd be okay if the Jets traded down maybe to the end of the second round and got him if he's still there. Uh, but I, I think he's a good day two target. See, I believe I had Henley and Mymock going to the Browns with the pick they got in the Elijah Moore deal. So mm-hmm. I'm getting the key on white there in Rodgers deal. I'm, I'm going with the guys that are mm-hmm. that might get traded away. H- Henley, I like. Here's, he might be what I call, though, an RAS prisoner mm-hmm. or an RAS merchant because the combine, guys, warrior. the combine warrior, essentially. Combine warrior, yeah, like where they, they look at the RAS and if all the bars are green and the numbers above nine, they're like, Oh, he's a fantastic athlete. And high end, he is a good athlete, but the range really was not as impressive as I thought it would be for a guy who's two twenty five and a former DB. Like it's still good, but not good enough where you could play at that weight and be like a starting Sam linebacker. And this is not going to sound, I don't want to sound like something too mean, but he runs like you ever seen those videos of Kyler Murray running in the open field and it sounds like a like a Bugs Bunny cartoon with that cartoon running e sound effect? Yes. That's what I mean. Diane Henley looks like he does half the time. If yeah. you just put that like <laughs> rumbling, stumbling, you know, Looney Tunes Hanna Barbera sound effect on Diane Henley's tape, makes for a pretty fun watch. So if there's just some way they can get him to cut down all that wasted energy and make him more of a straight line athlete, which they can do, that's mm-hmm. another teachable thing. That's where I think Henley really shines. Now, that's the best day two guy for Justin. I'm a Keon White guy. Let's talk about some day three guys, because day three is where you build your roster. Over half of your roster is going to be day three guys and undrafted guys. This is where GMs get get fired or get extensions, if we're being honest, because some GMs hit on first-round picks, and they never have any depth and get fired because they can't build a roster. So day three is important. Don't let people tell you it isn't. And as the Jets found out last year with Michael Clemens, you can find some gems here. If there's a guy that I'm really targeting on day three and I think could really make an immediate impact, it's another receiver, but it's a guy where if you don't get Smith and Jigba at 15, this might be a guy who I just think is too toolsy to not fall in love with. That's Andre Yoshivas, who's over at Princeton. And yeah, I got I-O-S-I-V-A-S is a tough name, but it is Yoshivas. And he was a former Hept athlete. Which, if we're talking pure athleticism, the heptathlon is that's that's not for babies, man. You got to have some real nerves of steel to even a- attempt to do that, let alone be successful at it. He did nine point nine six RAS. This is not just a combine warrior thing. He was tearing up the Ivy League as a guy who's right near Princeton. I've watched Yoshivas very closely, and man, is it's just he's playing on a different level. Just a different gear. He can go into fifth gear when some guys on the other defense don't even have like a second gear. And the speed is real. The size is real. He's 6'3", 210. The hands are real. If a bit inconsistent, there were some drops where you're like, oh, geez, that's Andre Yoshivas. And I feel like a lot of his skill was just being a straight line route runner, just being faster than everybody else and going to get touchdowns. But you know what? Teams just, if you're fast, even in the NFL, you could just run by people. If Yoshivas is faster than guys in the NFL, which he is, 
He could just still run by him. I think that gives him another Miko Hardman-esque field stretcher. But instead of Miko Hardman being really tiny, good player. I'm sorry, Miko, but you're small. I'm I'm 5'9. We could we could be proud about our height. That's kind of where he's <laughs> where he's at. Yoshivas is 6'3, so it gives you a more well-rounded deep threat, I think, if he really takes off. We we stand our short kings. Don't worry, Mike. Okay. <laughs> How tall are you? Five nine or I'm like five eleven. I'm like five eleven. Oh, you don't know. You don't know the pain. I'm, I'm like perfectly normal height. I think. I'm. 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 So feeling... What am I then? You're also perfectly normal height. Oh, You're perfect in every way, Mike. Your body is patronizing. <laughs> I I like Yoshivash, uh, and I, I do that offense. If you throw Yoshivash in there with with Nicole Hardman, oh, dude, oh. You, that is explosive yeah. as hell. Uh, really fun story too. I believe he was born in Hawaii, right? Like he, he has a really fun story. I think he was like first generation as well. Uh, just really, really cool story. And those are the guys you take a chance on, on day three. Like those, those are always the guys you take a chance on. Those like super incredible athletes. I want to talk about a position for my day three guy that we have not talked about yet. A position we have not mentioned. Uh, and it's tight end. I'm going to talk about a tight end right now. Now I'm not necessarily going to bang, you know, going to bang the table for the depths to draft the tight end. But they've shown interest in a few tight ends in this pre-draft process, and there's been some talk that they could draft one. One guy that they've met with is Luke Shoemaker from Michigan, uh, two-year starter at Michigan, very limited college production. His career high was as a senior, and he had 35 catches for 418 yards, never really lit the world on fire there, partially because of how Michigan used their tight ends. Uh, but if you're talking about like a size-speed guy, he fits that threshold. He's 6'5", 251. Uh, had a really, really good 4-6-3, 40-yard dash. Scored a 9-8-6. Want to talk about the relative athletic score? He scored a 9-8-6 RAS. So great blend of size and athleticism. Just a really well-rounded player. Good hands. He's an improved blocker. I think he's a good blocker at this stage. I think we could say that. Uh, just a, I think he's a high floor player. I think he's one of those tight ends that some team's going to draft in the fourth round and he's going to end up being a long-term starter, like a Tyler Higby or whatever, like somebody who's just going to stick around for a long time. That, that's kind of what I get with him. The Jets are doing their homework on a few tight ends. Uh, like I said, they had a pre-draft visit with him. If he's there in the fourth round, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they took him. See, I'm not as big a fan of Schumacher. I'm as like a, like a sixth-round guy. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mostly because... You ever heard that old saying in the NBA where like all these centers are shooting threes now? With well, you might as well be six three if all you're doing at the perimeter shooting. Yeah, I mean yeah. he's six six two fifty. I mean he might as well be six one one ninety if he's not being effective over the middle and really giving Michigan a wide catch radius. Now, in a better offense, I th- not a better offense because Michigan was good, but in a more creative offense, a more creative yeah. passing game, I think maybe I could have seen just a few more reps where he shows off he could be an over the middle safety blanket. That was one of my weird concerns. Like he's this big giant guy, and yet there are a lot of like smaller safety guys that go in exclusively to play man on tight ends, and they get results against him. So I'm like, what? You know, when's it gonna? I'm still waiting for the the big blow up. Like when's the first round talent gonna show up? And never really did. Uh, to be fair though, too, again, the, as we said before, Michigan's offense really did him no favors there. It didn't. Very I good block. Didn't. Very good blocker, and the athleticism yeah. is real. So if you can just somehow, it's like Nick Saldaveri, who I said the Jets should draft. If you can just toughen him up somehow, I think you can get a good tight end out of him. I just don't know, like that you'd have to pretty much change a, a big chunk of his play style, which is very I, drastic. I think he's definitely one of those guys who's a victim of the college they went to. They just didn't use him a lot. Like I don't think he was targeted enough. I see we see that with a lot of tight ends too. Like there's a lot of tight ends that don't have great college production who end up being really good NFL players. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Jeremy Ruckert can be that because Jeremy Rucker was another guy who was not used a ton at Ohio State. He still went third round. 
Uh, so I think I'm looking more so at just like the potential with Schumacher or Schumacher, Schumacher. I don't even know how you pronounce it. Um, but I, I think I'm looking at that potential with him where I'm like size speed that checks out for me. He's a good blocker that checks out. I think he's someone who can immediately step in is probably a tight end too on a lot of rosters. And with that, we officially bring a close to our big mock draft extravaganza. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure to tune into Fansided's NFL Draft Show. You can catch us on Thursday night. We're going to go live about around about 745, 8-ish. Make sure you tap into there and follow all of the insanity, what promises to be a crazy night for the Jets and everybody. We don't even know who's going number one or number two yet. This is going to be really out of the blue this night. So before you do that, though, check out the Jet Press Podcast over at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast wherever it may be that you get your podcast at and make sure to go to YouTube at the jet press. You can subscribe to us there, find all our videos there, all our podcasts there. If you want a nice little visual of me and Justin going on and on, you get that benefit over at the jet press. So Justin, the floor is yours before it promises to be a pivotal night in jets history. Yes, sir. Also, let us know which uh, which one of our mock drafts you liked more. Do you want to do you want to run through it really quick? Like, say the names really quick so people remember. Or no? Sure thing. So uh, the correct one being Mike's is Darnell Wright, Adetamiwa Adebaware, Jair Brown, Nick Saldaveri, and Rakeem Jarrett with the five picks. That's it's pretty good. I think that's good enough for second place because the best one oh, is uh, I have you, you can't you, handle the truth. You started this, man. I was going to be like they're both equally good. I was, <laughs> I was, I was like you're 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 tall, man. You're good. I was, I was complimenting you anyway. Uh, I my mock draft was Peter Skaronsky in the first round, Keanu Benton in the second, Demarvin Overshone in the fourth, and in the two fifth rounders uh, were Jonathan Mingo and Jason Taylor the second. That's what I have. So. Let us know if you want which mock draft you like more. Maybe you like them both equally. I don't know. Let's let's, let's not play yeah, favorite. No, no, we have to take a stand definitively. Don't don't give the diplomatic answer. <laughs> I, I'm just try, I'm trying to be nice, man. Tomorrow's going to be great. This whole weekend's <laughs> going to be great. We got a great draft. It's it is going to be very exciting, like you said. Uh, and yeah, next time we're we're doing this show, we're going to know who the Jets pick at 15. I was almost I almost said 13 because I'm so used to saying that. Uh, we're going <laughs> to know did it earlier with 42 and 43. That's true. We got to we got to adapt. Uh, but yeah, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. You can follow me on Twitter at the at Justin T. Freed. I almost jumped ahead of myself. Uh, you can follow the Jet Press on Twitter at the Jet Press. Download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. As Mike mentioned, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to the Jet Press podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That's been Mike Luciano. See you guys next time. Let's see who the Jets pick in the first round. See you folks next week.